0: Hello and welcome into this edition of Radio B and I'm your host Chris Turner. Today's episode is a special edition that comes from Summit 2018 held at West Jackson Baptist Church. The content is from the panel discussion hosted by Rock Collins on evangelism and discipleship. Welcome to Radio B and R a podcast production of The Baptist and Reflector, the official news journal of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, Radio BNR, keeping Tennessee Baptists informed about the issues impacting their lives and churches. At this moment, I want to introduce uh, Rock Collins to you. He's the Director of Strategic Objectives for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, and he's gonna be introducing those that are gonna be a part of our evangelism panel. So, Rock, there you go.
1: Thank you, Mr. President. We've been blessed and fortunate to see some wonderful testimonies. Uh, on these videos. Thank you for your kind comments. And I just think they just keep getting better and better. Uh, And I praise the Lord for what he's doing. Today, we wanted to take just a few minutes and uh, put a panel together. We want to talk about evangelism and discipleship. It seems that today, there's a whole lot of discussion about evangelism and discipleship. And so we just want to talk about it a little bit. My hope is that from our discussion uh, you're going to be able to maybe have some tools or some ideas, some insight that's going to help you as we work together to win Tennessee for Jesus. So let me just introduce to you our panel. Uh, very distinguished panel here, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> Amen. Uh, first, I'd like to introduce Thomas Bester. And Brother Thomas is the founder and senior pastor of Forerunner Baptist Church in Ripley, Tennessee. And at present, he is the coordinator for the evangelism efforts in the Big Hatchie Association, and he's doing a super job. And we're glad to have Thomas Bester on our panel. Randy Davis, we found. I don't know if you all have ever heard of him But Randy Davis has been the executive director and president of the Tennessee Baptist Convention since 1910, the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board now, since 2010. Did I say 1910? Sometimes it feels, anyway, he he does, he does. does. (laughs) Since 2010, and he has pastored churches in Mississippi and Tennessee. And he's doing a great job in leading the Tennessee Baptist uh, effort to win Tennessee for Jesus. Uh, And I just want to say on a personal note that he has been very strategic since 2010 in reinvigorating Tennessee to remember we need to win people to Jesus. And I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for his leadership. Steve Gaines is the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church, just down the road a little ways, And uh, he is also the immediate past president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, God is using him in a mighty way. And we're so glad to have him on our panel. And Derek Smith is the lead pastor at Living Hope Baptist Church uh, in Clarksville, Tennessee. And I don't know if you know this, but Clarksville is one of the fastest growing cities uh, in our state. And uh, Brother Derek is strategically placed there in a church that is growing and and reaching their community for jesus so this is our panel today and we're going to take just a few minutes and ask them some questions again that i pray will help us all as we press forward to win tennessee for jesus brother randy uh, you're about to have uh, an article that will be coming out in the mid-america theological journal on the idea of seeing the world and especially the work here in Tennessee as a cross-cultural missionary. And I wonder if you would just elaborate on what you mean by that.
2: Well, they asked us to write something about uh, uh, the urban settings and uh, church revitalization and evangelism. And the, the point is this, that if we're going to impact our culture, we cannot think of it in the context of, of um, 1950 Tennessee. Um, I remember a conversation that really kind of articulated what I was learning in 2010 I had with Dr. Jeff Orge at uh, Gateway Seminary in, in California. And he said, how's it going? And I said, Dr. Orge, I just have been surprised that Tennessee is so lost. I had no idea that we had so much spiritual lostness. I had my nose to the grindstone in Sevierville, I knew Sevier County, but I had no idea that Tennessee was so lost. And uh, he said, in in five years, Tennessee will look like Colorado, and in 10 years, it'll look like California. And this deep south is rapidly taking on characteristics of New England or Western Europe. If things do not change, it's been 40 years since we've had a great awakening and we've got to think like missionaries in reaching lost people. We cannot look in the mirror any longer. We've got to look out the window. And we've got to see our communities like they are in the context that they are. And we can't continue to curse the darkness. We've got to be the light. And uh, I think that's the thing we want to express in the article we wrote for uh, Mid-America is that the the... Idea that if we're gonna really impact lostness in Tennessee, we've got to see us for where we are. Are we really a mission field? When when you're growing as a state by 50 to 60,000 every single year, that means every 10 years we pick up another city the size of Memphis, Tennessee. The gap between those that profess Christ as Savior and those that do not profess Christ as Savior in Tennessee is growing rapidly. And uh, I've, I've mentioned this before. You come into my office, you'll find pictures of my four grandkids. Not nearly as many as some people on our panel. <clears throat> <laughs> and that's all you will find in my office. You'll not find diplomas or ordination certificates or that boys or plaques. Because I am thoroughly motivated and pa- passionately moved about impacting that generation for Jesus in our state and turning this around
1: Thank you. What, this is just for all of you or any of you, maybe one or two of you. what role does contextualization play in evangelism.
2: Hmm. Uh, I would contextualize it in that uh, people are lost. They're either going to heaven or they're going to hell.
0: I I think that anytime you're a speaker, a preacher, obviously, you have to know your audience. I think that's one of the most important aspects of speaking. Uh, I spoke here last night. I kind of knew my audience. I I am a Baptist preacher, so I kind of knew the guys I was talking (laughs) to last night. But before I came here, I spoke to some seminary students in my son's uh, uh, pastoral ministry class, and that was a different context. And so a lot of those guys are just starting out. And so what I'm trying to say is, you've got to know uh, if you're talking to somebody and they are a a lay person, you've got to uh, try to connect with them. If they are a uh, person that's got some church background, you've got to connect with them. If they are of a different ethnicity, you've got to try to connect with them. And I think that that is very important. I think that the gospel is the same, but I think we have to become all things to all people that we may, by all means, connect with them and share with them. And I think that we have to go in not with just some uh, pat—the gospel is the gospel. We're not going to change that, but— but if we've got some uh, little thing that we do all the time, we may have to customize it a little bit to make it fit. Rock, so that uh, we're we're there to try to win them to Jesus, to try to become. If it's a Jew, Paul said, I'm going to become like a Jew. If it's a if it's a Gentile, I'm going to come by a Gentile. I will do all things for the sake of the gospel. And so I think we have to really constantly. Pray and ask the Lord to help us. You know Jesus was a master at this. Obviously, He's, he's God in the flesh, but you know Paul was great at this too, and so are all the great soul winners. Any great soul winner, you know, that's the way they are. They 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 become like the people that they're around in the sense of trying to make connections with them so that they can share the gospel. So I think it's a, I think contextualization is important in preaching and in sharing the gospel.
3: I, I've heard it said that go to your Walmart any given Saturday, and see the people there. And your church should look like the people at your Walmart. I mean, do we look like the people in our community? Are we connecting with the different diversities
1: that are there and different ethnicities? So uh, I just think that's important, I think that's very good, very well stated. I have heard a lot of discussion today, as I'm sure many of you have, about gospel conversations. Pastor Sam over at Red Bank Baptist Church has done a great work uh, as far as a book on gospel conversations and leading his church and doing just that. And many of you talk about gospel conversations and having them, and I I don't, I I just would like to ask Brother Thomas, if you would, uh, just tell us what role and how important that is to have, or maybe I should ask you like this, why are gospel conversations important?
4: Uh, Simply because the Bible says that The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And if you can't share the gospel, then you can't share the power. And and Dr. Sam, where are you at? I I never met you personally. Okay, they told me if I call your name, I'll find you. Uh, I've been reading your book, Gospel Conversations, and a couple of things I really like about that. Number one is that Uh, gospel conversations, first of all, have to take place with the source of the power. So our first gospel conversation needs to be with God. And this entails God's children talking to God. Then we must share that conversation with the people of God. Now, when I say the people of God, I mean all people. And we must understand that the people of God Uh, we'll become the children of God only through the sharing of the gospel and by the uh, use of that power of the gospel. So it's important that we, as children of God, not keep the gospel to ourselves. Now, the Apostle Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And for the life of me, I don't understand why the saints of God have become ashamed of the gospel. Uh, We go to work, and and the sinners at work, they pull out uh, their magazines. they pull out their articles. We look at TV. We hear radio. We hear all of these dazzling things going on. But uh, we seem to be ashamed of sharing the gospel. So it's important for us as people of God, as believers, to unlock the power, the only power that can save. Is the power of the gospel. And the Bible didn't say it is a power of God. It is the power of God. So it's it's most important that we take that concept that we have the only thing that can change a dying world. We have the power. And the power is the gospel. And our failure to share the power is one of the reasons the world is as dark as it is today amen Amen.
1: as pastors how do you connect with spiritually lost people in order to build a relationship to talk about the gospel how do you personally do it well for me it's pretty
3: simple i've got five kids 12 and under so they're active Uh, we put them in public school for a reason uh, my wife and I, my wife's a school teacher, and so we prayed about homeschooling. We chose not to do that. We chose to put them into public schools so that we could build relationships more intentionally with people in our community. And it's been said before, don't, don't isolate your kids, insulate them. So that's what we do. We pray with them and, so, uh, and, and send them out. And so we connect, serving through the school, coaching, little league teams. You know, so often we're so wrapped up in the stuff of the church That we're not able to get outside of the church as pastors and connect with those that are lost and so uh, so through my kids we're able to do that and then just meeting needs in the community that builds bridges to the gospel Um, so often in today's world, we're talking about felt needs in the church we need to preach the gospel in the church and we need to tap into felt needs outside the church and use that as the bridges to the gospel uh, the gospel is the only supernatural, transformative message in the history of mankind. And, and so we use sharing as as a bridge. And so um, so that's, that's how I do it. That's how I do it.
4: Somebody else? Uh, Brother Rock, you pointed out a very poignant word, lost. And too many times we look at people through our eyes and not through the eyes of God. We see black people. We see white people. We see yellow people. We see brown people. We see Asian brothers. We see Latino brothers. But they're on two kind of people, saved and lost. That's right. And when we start seeing lost people, wherever they are, whoever they are, regardless of cultural differences or whatever differences our human eyes see, then we begin to connect with them and understand that, hey, if they're not for me, they're against me.
0: We've got a gym at Bellevue, and I never go to it because I go to the YMCA. And I go to the YMCA not just to work out but to witness. And it's amazing uh, how many people are there. But also, uh, as Don and I are out in the community, we keep our spiritual antennas up, and we pray for uh, God to open doors. And I enjoy talking to people. I, you know, I really enjoy just striking up a conversation. And inevitably, when we're out eating or whatever, we always pray for our waitress and we get to share the gospel a lot of times like that. But when we're just out, we'll we'll just engage people. And it's amazing how people are open. If you're kind, well, kindness is a big deal, I would say. Uh, You can't be mean and be a soul winner. But uh, uh, if you're kind to people and you're loving, it's the kindness of God that leads them to repentance. And I think that when you are, are out, there's always people that will listen to you. And I, I usually start off with my testimony mm. and just try to soften them up a little bit with that and then go right into the gospel. I, I want to say one thing uh, before we go on. Uh, I think that the goal of every gospel conversation should be a gospel presentation and a gospel invitation.
4: Amen.
0: I believe just because you've talked a little bit about Jesus doesn't mean you've had a gospel conversation. If you have not shared with somebody that God loves them, that they're a sinner, Jesus died for their sins, he rose from the dead to give them eternal life, and they need to repent of their sins and believe savingly in Jesus and call upon his name by receiving him as Lord and Savior. And what I just said to you is exactly what I think you ought to say. I'm not I'm shoving word. That's the gospel. That's the effort. And if you don't do that, you have not had a gospel conversation. Yeah. And I think that then and there, if at all possible, you ought to say, is there any reason why you should not repent of your sins and believe in Jesus right here? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you say that's Amen. too pushy. Well, I mean, hey, you know,
4: that's
0: right. I, I believe we're supposed to encourage them to repent Amen. and to believe. That's Amen. all over the Bible. And so I believe unless, again, unless you have had a gospel presentation and a gospel invitation with all due respect you may have a have a little talk about jesus but you've not had a gospel conversation
4: that's right
0: amen i would concur and i would also
1: like to ask you a question this is a yes or a no and i want everybody to answer it okay do you share from the pulpit when you're preaching about personal evangelistic experiences that you have had yes absolutely yeah
2: yes
0: Yes, and sometimes I share when I didn't do it and I should have. It's good. Yeah, I do. It's I do good. both. I don't always want to set myself up as the hero, you know. Sure. Sure. I, I like to, you know, people can learn from your faults too. I, so. I totally agree. But yes, I do. I do, and I share the gospel. Some. In fact, uh, you might want to know, Ken Witten. How many of you heard Ken preach last night? He texted me this morning, and on the way to the airport, led the cabbie to the Lord. Amen. 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 Doesn't that bless you right there? Amen. Amen. Now. What I just did was just share with you that he led somebody of the Lord that encouraged you. And when you lead somebody the Lord and you share it, and you're, that's the, one, the reason I did it, it'll bless your heart and it'll make your people want to be evangelistic.
1: Amen. So, I, I ask that question because I'm convinced that the devil loves to tell those of us who preach the gospel, or even if you're standing to teach a class and you've had an opportunity to share your faith with somebody, the devil will say, well, if you share that, you're making yourself to be the hero. And I say to you, we need to be telling the people we have an influence with that we share the gospel. They need to hear it from us. And on the tail of that, I want to ask this. How do you take your people from hearing you talk about winning somebody to Jesus to begin the process of them telling others how to be saved? So somebody
4: jump on that one. Set an example. <laughs> they have to see it in you. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, we were in a restaurant in Memphis, Dr. Fred Tappan and I, and uh, the waitress came up and uh, as we prepared to pray over our food, I asked her, I said, Jennifer, is there anything that you want us to pray with you about? And she says, four weeks ago, my four-week-old baby died. Mm. Would you pray for me? Mm. And we prayed for her and talked to her, found out that she was saved. But even in that aspect, she had a a weight lifted that somebody cared. Mm, And when people see the pastor, when they see their leaders do this, uh, a few years ago on the way to Ridgecrest for uh, uh, the Man to Man Conference, I had a group of young boys with me, and we stopped and asked for them, and we ate, and we prayed. And I had a guy I never even knew, and he got up, and he came over to the table, and he tapped me on my shoulder. He said, sir, I really do appreciate what you just did. Mm-hmm. And that had an influence on all those young men that was a part of that group. They have yes. to see it in you. That's so good. example is is... is
1: so you're telling me that it's not enough to just stand up and give a testimony of being a witness, but you actually need you to witness to in front witness. of your people? Is that is that what
4: you're driving at? Acts 1 and 8, he says, be witnesses Amen. of me. Amen. Anybody else on that one?
0: I'm going out tomorrow night with one of my deacons. We're going soul winning. Uh, we, we provide opportunities for our people to go door to door on a regular basis. A lot of people say that doesn't work. I'm telling you, if you go door to door with a little gift bag, the Jesus movie in there that costs virtually nothing, it's, it's been seen by a billion people, and some popcorn in there, just some little gift, and something about your church, and then just go up to a door, knock on the door, and say, we're in the community praying for people. How can we pray for you? And we've got a gift for you. We see 19 out of 20 people will open their door, talk with us. Some let us in. We get to share the gospel. And when you take your people out and do that, and they get to, it's, you can't teach evangelism in a room, reading a book. Right. You've got to go out and do right. it. You've got to get out where the people are. That's right. so, so you're saying we ought to actually go witnessing with our people. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Imagine and that. I'm,
0: I'm going to brag on my son. They've been doing that. and They've, been, they've seen about 40 people get saved Amen. in the last few months.
1: Praise and, the Lord. you know,
0: when you, here's the deal. When you, when you go, they come sowing and reaping. If you're not going, they're not going to come. come. That's right. But if you'll start going, they'll come. God will send people to you. If you'll go after people, he'll send you people that you didn't even go
1: after. No after. That's right. Amen. Someone much wiser than I said that evangelism is not taught, but it's caught. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great word. Derek, would you explain the relationship between evangelism and discipleship?
3: Sure. You know, evangelism and discipleship are flip sides of the same coin. I mean, they really are. I mean, you think about the Great Commission, the command is go and make disciples. So uh, we write mission statements as a church, but really Jesus already gave us our mission statement. It's the Great Commission, make disciples. And so uh, disciple making is the end goal of evangelism. And evangelism is disciple-making. I mean, you think about the disciples' call when Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Followers are fishers. Uh, we see that in, uh, in Jesus' ministry. So followers are fishers. In fact, I'd argue if you're not fishing, you're not following. I mean, Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So uh, that's the heart of God. So the two go hand in hand, disciple making. You know, you talked about Paul saying, um, Brother Steve, about uh, being all things to all people. So that I may by all means save some. But we know we don't save anyone. But he's talking about his personal responsibility in sharing the gospel there. That he took personal ownership in sharing the gospel and investing in the lives of becoming all things to all people in the lives of those that he was sharing with. It's so uh, going, baptizing, teaching. Um, you know, we need a, a measure in the ACP. Wouldn't it Ken Whitten last night, you know, talking about that maybe that says new disciples, uh, even beyond baptisms? Who are new disciples that are now engaged, that have been baptized, that are engaged in teaching? So, flip sides of the same coin. They, they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand.
1: So, how do we go about developing evangelism and discipleship, which are both sides of the coin? In our churches, how, how is how do we develop that?
2: Well, <clears throat> I just want to say, on the front end and the back end of the whole evangelism discipleship spectrum, is a you've got to be a people of prayer. Uh, you become broken hearted and concerned about people you're praying for. I went into the river over in Cookville. Uh, Steve had asked me to come preach there. Steve Taboo. And uh, I noticed when I walked in, they had uh, had sticky notes all over the walls of their sanctuary. And as I looked at them, it had people's names on these sticky notes. And I said, Pastor Steve, what's this? He said, These are the people we're praying for. And uh, so that's one end. the, The very beginning when you start sowing those seeds, who are you praying for? And then on the other end of it is celebration. In Luke chapter 15, it talks about celebrating, finding the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost the lost son coming home. Uh, it can, becomes more contagious when you celebrate and you make a big deal out of baptism. Uh, following the Lord, that is the first step of discipleship. And I don't think that, I, I think the biggest deal in making the connection between the two is not, Making them um, two separate issues or disciplines. They're not. They're one and the same. Uh, people that are being saved uh, need to be discipled. And when you're discipled, you really disciple, then you're become one that shares what's happened to you. Um, it's got to be very intentional. And I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all. I think just doing something and the and, The other thing that I would say about it is you've got to simplify it, not make it complicated. The most mature believers in your fellowship are those believers that have a daily regimen of being in the Word, that are being in prayer. A few simple disciplines uh, grow some dynamic uh, disciples in following Jesus Christ.
0: Thank you. Can can I say one thing about that? Yes, you can. The the minute you get saved, you become a disciple. That's right. The split second you repent of your sins and receive Jesus by faith, you become a disciple. And then you start to grow in grace. And I think that uh, the tip of the spear of making disciples is evangelism. Dr. Fish used to tell us at Southwestern that if if there's no, if, if making disciples does not include evangelism, then there's no evangelism in the Great Commission so so making disciples is not just having a bible study with existing christian if you are not sharing the gospel as well you are not making disciples so i think it's it's not an either or it's a both and i think we have to win people to the lord and then help them to get uh, start growing and to become a, a, a obedient disciple to jesus christ and one other thing i don't think it's scriptural to defer or to delay baptism until we see if they are really serious about it i think that when they get saved They need to be baptized immediately everybody in the new testament was baptized immediately after they got saved and then they will grow in grace i think it's the first command after you get saved and why should jesus give you another command if you don't obey the first command after you get saved and that is to get baptized that you you go public for jesus in baptism and one of the things i appreciate about jordan easley he taught me a lot about celebrating baptisms and uh, i want to say this If you're not making a big deal out of baptisms, that's a big deal for everybody to know that they're going public for Jesus Christ. And when you do that, it changes the culture of your church.
1: Amen. You, uh, Brother Steve, made reference to this earlier in our personal evangelism, but I'd like for you to share just briefly about why a public invitation in church is important.
0: Well, I, I think you have not shared the gospel unless you... Give them a chance to get saved then and there. And, uh, you know, throughout the Old Testament, you had guys like Moses saying, who is on the Lord's side? You had Elijah on the Mount Carmel saying, you know, uh, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. In the New Testament, you've got, you know, Peter on the day of Pentecost saying, uh, believe and be baptized uh, for the remission of your sins, literally because of the causal use of ice there and, uh, he, he and then it says he went on exhorting them and he said be saved from this perverse generation and the thing about it is, they, they did get saved then and there because 3,000 got baptized right. so so he gave an invitation it may not have been it doesn't have to be a come forward while we're singing just as I am but you do have to give an invitation it might be uh, we got some guys in the back and you can talk to the folks over there. We've got a room over here. People would love to talk to you if you'd like to receive Jesus, repent of your sins, believe in Christ. Uh, some people down here in the front, all of the above. It doesn't really matter. We've got four different ways anybody can get saved at Bellevue. Apart from we've got hundreds of people walking around all, the, all day long that are soul winners that are trying to get people to get saved. So I, I think that if you don't share the gospel, if, if you don't give the invitation, you have not really preached the gospel i believe that when you the the gospel demands a response and if you don't give them the opportunity to receive jesus then and there in some way again it doesn't have to be a come forward but it it, i that's we do that but and that's great but there are other ways just like i said have them out there if you don't give them that opportunity i think you have not really preached the gospel the way it should be preached when, when Peter got through preaching in Acts 3, he said, Repent, therefore, and return that your sins may be washed away, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And people got saved that day, so much so that they wound up eventually getting arrested. Uh, one more thing, and I'll be quiet about this. Uh, when Paul got saved, it was not on the road to Damascus, in my opinion, because he himself said that Ananias came to him, he was blind. And Ananias shared the gospel and said, Now why do you delay? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Paul had not had his sins washed away. Paul had not called upon the name of the Lord. And Paul didn't get saved. The Bible doesn't say Paul got saved anywhere. doesn't it say anywhere that he got saved on the road to Damascus. He got saved I love this, in Judah's house on Straight Street. He got straightened out on Straight Street, amen? And it was in Damascus, and not only did the the physical darkness leave, but the spiritual darkness left, and he was born again. He said it himself out of his mouth, my sins were washed away when I called on the name of the Lord. And I believe that that is important. You know, we don't have any problem leading young couples in their wedding vows, and that's when they get married. And I believe that we ought to lead people to Christ and give them a chance to get saved. So, let me just be clear, you're, you, you're for an I'm invitation. I'm for it. I'm for it. Very much so, yes. A public invitation. So. <laughs> we we public, should invite private, people. Okay. Semi-private, <laughs>
1: semi-public, I don't care. I'm, I'm for it. Amen. Amen. So our time is up, but have you enjoyed this panel? Thank you all very much. Appreciate you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Radio BNR a podcast production of the Baptist and Reflector, the official news journal of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded at baptistandreflector.org forward slash radio BR. The ministries of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptist.org.